Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt Damon. <laughs> God bless him. Uh, Eric, we went to our first press screening since you know early 2020. For me, it was, uh, I think, The Invisible Man. And for you, I think you said it was either Bloodshot or you went to Never, it, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Yeah, or- so the pro- the last promo screening I went to was the Vin Diesel classic uh, Bloodshot. Yeah. Um, the movie that we still talk about to this very day. I mean, I know it's only been a year, but um, and then, yeah, never, rarely, sometimes, always was like the last um, sort of morning press screening. And I remember that morning walking to the Scotiabank Theater and thinking at that point it was kind yeah. of a ghost town, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then, you know, coming back that uh, afternoon, I think we were supposed to record a podcast either that day or the next day. Because I just got back from LA, right? Yeah, and yeah. and you just texted me and like you're like just don't come down, <laughs> just don't yeah. don't bother. Oh right, because we were still doing it in person at that point yeah. where you were coming down to Toronto and um, yeah, wild. But um, yes, today we are reviewing Tom McCarthy's Stillwater, fresh off uh, its premiere at the Cannes Film Festival, uh, starring Matt Damon, uh, Abigail Breslin, uh, Camille Camille or Camille Cotton. Uh, I think it's Camille. Camille Cotton, uh, Liu uh, Savard, and Deanna Dunnigan. Um, Eric, how are you otherwise? I'm doing well. I mean, it's it's interesting, again, like just talking about going back to the theater and to a press screening. and Yeah, because we had an eventful weekend. I mean, you guys can check out our reviews for uh, Escape Room, which has quite the story about going back to the cinemas, and F9, which we saw on Friday. And then today, uh, you know, we have uh, Stillwater, which we reviewed. And you guys can check out our impressions on uh, Dune. We saw a Dune preview as well, so that should be up on the reviews channel right now. Yeah, and so, you know, going back to Toronto for the first time, in a year and a half um, felt both surreal and also natural in the sense that like, yeah, you know, walking from the ghost station at union to the Scotiabank theater, um, you know, done it a hundred times. It's, it's, it's just probably one of those, more than that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like that expression of just, it's, know, yeah. you know, it like the back of your hand in terms of, you know, walking there and, and what have you. And especially when it's warmer out, you don't need to necessarily take the TTC uh, unless you're in a rush, but also, you know, we already took transit there and, and I didn't really want to take uh TTC and I know you felt the same way. So we walked mm-hmm. over, but during that walk, it almost felt like it was like this, like VR experience <laughs> yeah. of like, okay, this is like what you used to do all the time yeah. on a weekly basis. And you haven't done it since, you know, since last March. And, and now like when the weather was getting warmer in March, um, and so there was this this strangeness of like being excited and having anxiety at the same time and the two kind of like battling each other to see like who will win and then you get there and then you see that the Scotiabank Theater in Toronto the you know notoriously known for the escalator not working uh is working just a perfectly. giant escalator if you've never been there yeah. it's like the biggest escalator you've ever seen and is working perfectly and they had a a lot of time to work on it so <laughs> right well you, yeah but you know it's it's almost like it's part of like 
the novelty or the attraction now that it, it it's not supposed to work. Like if it works, it's almost like disappointing that it's like, oh man, you know, like this thing is, is working fine. Um, but yeah, like it was, it, we didn't really talk to anybody in terms of, uh, you know, other press or, or what have you. And, you know, we kept our masks on and, and social distance and used tons of, uh, hand sanitizer. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I think, you know, we, we were as cautious and as, you know, ready to go as, as anybody could be in that situation. So it was nice, um, going back to a press screening again and just kind of remembering what that was like, especially for a film that is two hours and 20 minutes long, where if we were to watch something like that at home, you know, there is the uh, option or the lure to pause the film in between um, sittings, especially with something like this, where, you know, we'll we'll get into it, but it's such a, a, a medley of genres that, you know, you feel the length of this film, but watching it in a theater it wasn't as bothersome. The only thing that was bothersome, but I was still grateful to have that pain, was sort of the mask, you know, behind, behind the ear. ears kind yeah. of making I'm an I'm still indent. getting used to that. That's the worst part of going to the movies right now and having to wear a mask the whole time because I just feel like, you know, after wearing it for so long, the back of my ears just start yeah. killing it's, me. It's have... very much a first world problem. Oh, complaint. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'd rather – better safe than sorry. So, um best to wear it and only take it off if you're you know eating or drinking in the theater and then putting it back on but yeah it was a a, like i mean i guess not so much for me like i went in last week to the city and and got my hair cut and visited my old in the west end uh, my old condo area and then when you were moving to durham um, you also took transit yeah so i was kind of used to the whole experience and and i'm weirdly like now that we're double vaxxed and you know we mask where we you know need to indoors and stuff like that like i I've kind of gotten over the the anxious part, obviously still be very cautious, but I've gotten over the anxious part and I'm ready to, you know, go out and try to do some normal things. And it was kind of refreshing, like to get out of the house and, and, you know, as we've seen now three movies back in theaters and a preview, um, I'm totally with you with something like this, which right after the screening, I went to you and I go, I probably could have watched this movie on a screener, like at home. Like, I don't think it's one of those movies where it's like, you gotta go see it on the big screen. But like, I, I do agree with you at its length and just with its subject matter. And, you know, it, it is a bit slower moving, but, um, it, it does benefit from, you know, your full attention sitting in a theater. Cause I am very guilty of, you know, at home, you know, letting the distractions get in the way, whether you need to pause it to go to the bathroom or pause it to go get a snack or just like, you know, your phone goes off or at the movies, I won't touch any of that stuff. Um, there's just more things to be distracted with at home or, you know, um, it lose your attention and you pause it and pick it up later. And I just don't think that's the, you know, the way to watch any film really, but we're all, it's, that's why I love going to the movies. Cause I, you know, train myself to be like i am locked in to watch this film so um yeah i'm I'm with you on that that it was kind of nice to get back and and we have a couple more coming up but i'm still open to screeners and i'm 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 glad for them but it is nice to get back well especially even during the festival season like that's the other thing i mean this movie obviously played uh, outside of the competition of can this definitely feels like a festival movie yeah and and you know like 
there's been a lot of sort of uh, conversation uh, online on Twitter specifically, and I won't name names, but in terms of the way of watching a movie at the festival, whether it be last <laughs> year or this year, I think, you know, the experience of, of being a part of it is the most important part. It's not necessarily being there in person. If you can watch something at home and you feel comfortable to do that and you have access and that's to what you want the to, festival library. Yes. Yeah. That doesn't mean that, you know, your experience isn't any less of an experience yeah. and it and shouldn't be taken for movie. granted. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the thing. Like still does water- it add to it? Sure. When you're with a crowd of 3000 people watching a movie at a festival that can sometimes absolutely proper like, masking, yeah. great sound yeah. uh, again, the attentiveness where you're locked in for those two hours and you're sitting there and you're completely, you know, committed to what's on the screen and letting it project over you and sort of, you know, taking it all in and, you know, whether or not you have to go to the bathroom or something like that, that's, those are little things where people are having this communal experience and watching it with, you know, peers or colleagues, I think also is kind of, it was, it was kind of a nice kind of return to form. Um, you know, we haven't really talked about the movie yet, but the idea yeah. of of this film being released in the summer, and you know, obviously, when with summer movies <clears throat> in 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 the before times being, you know, this is like the definition of counter programming in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. you know, a film like this comes out, and it's kind of like you know, maybe it's an awards contender or. You know, maybe it's something just for grownups that are sick of, you know, comic book movies or explosions or things like that. And this is a film that's kind of hard to recommend to one specific sort of like, say, if you're a fan of true crime thrillers and you're thinking like, okay, this almost sounds like the Amanda Knox case in, in, in a yeah. certain way. And you're thinking, okay, that's that's what I'm going to get. It's not necessarily that movie. And if you're thinking yeah. you're going to get sort um, of a family drama um, with Matt Damon's, you know, all American Oklahoma boy um, sort of, you know, becoming more culturally refined. Uh, kind of get that, but not also in Marseille. Mixed with a bunch of, yeah, it's not completely that either. It's it's it is this strange hodgepodge of genres that are procedural you that got, are playing like, like, yeah. that should kind of play against each other almost in a weird way. Um, but ultimately, I think the film works and i think the glue that kind of holds it together and and i know we talked a little bit about this after the screening i think matt damon kind of puts this thing together in a in, in a way that like his performance not yeah. talking about his casting but his performance yeah we'll get into that i too, think yeah. ultimately kind of wins you over because at first you feel that this sort of fish out of water tale of this you know small town red-blooded blue collar blue collar all-american boy that isn't you know recovering addict you know coming to you know one of the most sophisticated countries in the world uh you know in art and style and design and food and yeah is it and you know is is sticking to things he knows whether it be a best western hotel <laughs> or, or subway, subway <laughs> um and you know the sandwich place yeah, yeah and and what i also kind of found fascinating about that sort of setup of the story it's already the motion the the motions are already set you already have the abigail breslin character his daughter uh in the film uh in prison 
for a murder that she says that she didn't commit. And she maintains that stance. And usually with those films, they usually start off with like, like a cold the, open, of a cold like, open of the daughter yeah. getting into trouble. And, but by the time like we're introduced to Damon at the beginning, you know, and he's been Get some Sonic drive through. Yeah. He's about ready to go on a two week trip that he's been doing for the last five years since she's been incarcerated uh, in Marseille. And so he goes there and essentially what this story boils down to is it's not a story of sort of, you know, exonerating his daughter or necessarily a film about a man sort of becoming a better person because obviously there's the Trump sort of um, connection there as well yeah. with this guy who, if he could vote, he probably would vote for Trump. Yeah, gun you know, owner, middle red, America. Yeah, kinda, red state, yeah. redneck type of guy, although he calls himself a roughneck. Um but what this ultimately boils down to, and there's a scene in the film that kind of sells it, where Abigail Breslin has this conversation with uh, um, what, what was the, what was the um, the the act the French actress's name? It was uh, uh, Camille, Camille Cotton. Cotton. Yeah. yeah. So Camille Cotton plays kind of like a translator at first uh, to Damon's character because he doesn't speak a word of French, and so he's just basically going out there. But there's a moment later on between Camille Cotton and Abigail Breslin where the two of them are talking about, you know, enjoy this moment. And, and Breslin specifically is like, okay, well, you know, speaking from my own experiences and being, you know, related to this man, he's a screw up and he'll find a way to mess this up. And essentially what this story boils down to is a guy who's his own worst enemy, even if his intentions are noble or for the right reasons, he always finds a way of being his own worst enemy and sort of, you know, ruining something that he has in front of him that could be a second chance yeah even if it's subconsciously because that's just who he is and i think that's where the movie works best right because we you talked about these things of like is it a thriller is it a procedural is it a family drama is it a european kind of festival movie about a fish out of water story like it's all a bit of those things and it kind of is this weird mishmash that strangely works and and you talked about damon and i i think it took me a second to kind of get on board because i like matt damon i think he's super likable guy like um i've enjoyed you know him and mostly everything he's done but weirdly in this movie seeing him with the goatee and the hat and being from oklahoma and like the accent and everything it took me a second to go is he the right person for this and it like even through the trailers and then leading into the movie as it starts and he goes to the sonic drive-thru and he, he goes to marseille and i'm just like i don't know if i buy this like i just i don't know there to me there could have been five other people and i don't i i mentioned josh brolin just because with the goatee he kind of looks like josh brolin at or times, if the film was like, made in the 80s or 90s it would yeah. be tommy lee jones right in that kind of kind of cut out there eric are you still there yeah yeah can you hear me you were gonna say tommy lee jones you're gone um <laughs> eric was gonna say tommy lee jones you'll he'll be back in a second yeah can you, can uh, you hear me now Matt? yeah now you're good now yeah you're good. tommy lee jones because you, like you there's there's a scene at the very end of this movie that basically kind of feels almost like it's the start of uh, Rolling Thunder with Tommy Lee right. Jones's, you know, the co-starring with William Devane. But that would have been like the perfect kind of like, you know, Southern, you know, 
actor to kind of get in that kind of role, you know, the salt of the earth kind of guy where, but I kind of think it works. Like I think Damon's look at first is also something you have to acclimatize to because it almost looks like with the goatee and the, and the cargo, you know, uh, plaid shirts and things like that. Like it just almost looks like a guy who's attending a Toby Keith concert, uh, if, if anything else, but, um, the caricature elements kind of whittle down a little bit as you get to know him better. And, And there's stuff in there that is, I think subtle both comedically and both dramatically that Damon is able to pull off as an actor and especially the relationship he has with the Maya character you know mm-hmm. and, and I think that that stuff is also very strong and sort of again that idea of a second chance that he screwed up so yes. royally with his, with own, his own daughter, daughter. that yeah, maybe this exactly. moment is like he has that opportunity to do what's right and actually have a real relationship with a child and 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 see this kid grow up and do right by the kid Mm-hmm. And that is some of the best stuff. But yeah, you do. Um, I mean, Damon is so good that you kind of buy into him as this character and you kind of do uh, break through that and you don't see Matt Damon and you do see Bill Baker. And then I, I thought that was a testament to how good he is in this movie because I was hella skeptical. And then but there are times where it just feels like that character is plucked from a different movie and put into this kind of european festival movie right and um well having watched it, transit not yeah a couple of years ago which yeah. also takes place in Marseille, uh yeah. and, and thinking about like the characters running around in that movie although that's you know a, a kind of like uh, futuristic yeah. but it's i kinda, mean it's still kind of grounded like it's not it's like, still very modern but it's a, a, a you know a, a war that's not actually happening yeah yeah but looking at that film and that you know being a you know, complete European production or even like the films of Olivier Sayas where yes, like, this feels like you plucked this character and dropped him in one of those movies. Yeah. And, and again, like you can say, okay, well, Damon's been in the Bourne movies and those are international globe trotting films and that's fine. But those, all those movies have kind of a, a, a consistently slick sheen to them. Where like an American feel to them. Yeah. yeah. Even though Paul Greengrass is not American. But sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? A yeah. Hollywood yeah. But this does them. feel more European. And I do think it's partly because you have two screenwriters that have worked with Jacques Odiard before on Rust and Bone and Deepan. And so, you know, having those writers, which also, I mean, like Jacques Odiard, there's a filmmaker whose whole career, you know, maybe with the exception of a prophet, which there are elements of this that kind of feel similar to that yeah, movie, yeah. Um, has always been criticized that there's more than one movie within his films, especially with something like Rust and Bone, where you get like, you know, the tragedy of uh, a Marine sort of employee having, you know, lost her legs, but then also you get like this weird, like sort of sub fight club storyline and then sort of a romance. And then on top of that, sort of uh, uh, a father trying to win his child uh, over again. And so like, you've got all of those that medley of, of, of genres playing throughout that necessarily doesn't, you know, cohesively come together, but each part isn't necessarily bad. It's weirdly like an anthology movie with the same characters. And this movie has that problem a little bit in its last act and, and with some of the more thriller elements that we're talking about, like especially ambiguity. uh, Yeah. And, and we don't want to go too much into detail to give away the last act, but but it does. (laughs) It, it, it goes in too much detail. Like it does spoon feed you. It's, you know, resolutions and things like that, which, you know, we talked about after the screening, as we were walking around, just how we kind of wish that they left that a little bit more ambiguous and, and left it up to the audience to kind of uh, make their own decisions on what they believe happened where the movie, I think 
in that it it doesn't fall apart in the last act, but it does kind of struggle to uh, wrap everything up and give you satisfying conclusions. And and also being 140 minutes, um, again, I, I hate to com- be those people who complain about movies being too long all the time, but. I really do feel like, you, like you said, this movie does feel a little disjointed. There's a time jump of four months at one point, which feels like it splits the movie up into two halves. But then, like, I, I feel like you could have eliminated a lot of that stuff in the last act and alluded to a lot of those things and just tightened it up to be closer to, you know, hour 50 or two hours, maybe like 20 to 30 minutes out of this movie that you probably could have tightened up. Because I feel like, you know, there is a, a good story here, like you said, about this man you know, who goes to another country and, um, you know, wants to kind of, you know, deal with the sins of his past, but then also try to help his daughter, but then just kind of find himself. And, and and I I like all that kind of stuff. And I, I, those quieter moments in the movie where he is just kind of, you know, he's, it's a procedural because he's trying to, you know, kind of help his, his daughter. Yeah. The investigation of, you know, somebody that she suspects at the party might've had some involvement in um, this case that she's involved in that actually murdered you know her her girlfriend instead of you know her murdering her but then some of the stuff you said with with uh uh, virginie uh, is it virginie um and and maya virgine uh uh, and maya that stuff i i really liked and i liked his relationship with both of them and and how that begins at the best western and how that develops throughout the movie um again i think the movie struggles in its last act and it gives us some stuff that i'm just like kind of wish you didn't go there with that character or, but the Maya stuff is great with the young girl. Um, but even how, you know, he's his own worst enemy, how he kind of, you know, manipulates even the young girl in the last act. Um, it just kind of, you know, it's, it sucks, but I mean, that's the character and, 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 but that's what I like about that, that character about flaws. Um, it's just that sometimes to get there, there's a certain amount of suspension of disbelief or, you know, it goes from being European to American again, where it has to spoon feed you, where if it was a completely European film, there would be more ambiguity where there were moments where it's like, you know what, this is like, this is really good. Like they are actually taking, you know, a, a, a point from, you know, French and, and European and Spanish filmmaking. And then you get this stadium, this you know football stadium Soccer scene, sequence, um, yeah. and and you're thinking to yourself, one, I'm thinking of the the secret in their eyes, the uh, Spanish language movie as well, which also has, I, I think, you know, there are some references to that film in in this. But you're thinking like, okay, there's a, there's a big suspension of disbelief in that moment, and like the character later on admits to that, and it's almost like you know the screenwriters and and Tom McCarthy have to, have, have to yeah, like it's like you know chance encounter and just <laughs> serendipitous, but it's not because it's obviously controlled by the screenwriters, and it's just like there. I think there are other ways they could have done something like that to convey what ultimately is you know he's putting the this this young girl in jeopardy for his mm. own personal gains again you know noble as they are to help somebody he cares about and feels that he's done wrong by for so long but 
you could have done something differently, you, you know, like it could have just been simply like, you know, you lose the kid in the crowd or something like that. Yeah. Like, but it stays true to the character, I guess. But I do agree yeah. with you that the suspension of disbelief on the, re- again, the resolution to everything in that last act is a little messy or not even a little messy. It's pretty messy. Well, it's not even but messy in like, a good way. It's not messy in a yeah. human way. It's just kind of like it literally. No, I mean, messy from like a design standpoint. Yeah, it, it almost, it, well, it's, it's more so almost, and I don't want to say lazy, but it just kind of feels yeah. like it just it it runs out of steam and it just is like okay we're gonna tell you everything we're just going to telegraph everything at this point and everything that mm-hmm. you've come to either assume or or think for yourself we will we'll tell you yes <laughs> yeah and that and- to me kind of feels like even the last line of dialogue and what it's trying to make as a social commentary it kind of hurts it. And it's like, it's, it's not a bad line and it's not a bad moment. And again, I think like Damon in that sort of shot is, is wonderful, but it just is like, okay, well that could have been even better if there was just like, if you didn't already tell us everything. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's some of the Hollywood and studio, you know, stuff coming into it of like the, you know, trusting your audience versus, versus pissing off your audience, depending on what audience you're going for of like if you don't give them those answers there's going to be a whole group of people that are going to go what the fuck like you didn't answer anything i want to know what happened or or how things were resolved and then you're going to have another group like us who's going to go can you like trust us to kind of come to these conclusions ourselves and then it's more interesting leaving a film and going ooh they alluded to these things what do you think happened like do you think this xyz and i mean that's just you know when it's made by focus features you know it's you know starring matt damon um it's from a you know uh, a, a former best picture winner uh director um like i feel like there are some things like that where whether they're studio notes or maybe it's just you know whatever it is they go okay we kind of have to like actually whether it's test screenings or whatever but like i think you're never going to make everyone happy but i'm always in the camp of trusting your audience to be smart enough to come to those conclusions and just kind of let them uh you know figure that stuff out instead of you know telling and that's in anything that and doesn't you can tell not just in, in an ambiguous way. And the movie actually does that in a couple of scenes yeah. where there were certain, but moments. then they kind of backtrack on that by t- telling you after. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, like I, I think some of the most interesting stuff is like, you know, when you don't spend time with Matt Damon and you're actually immersed within sort of the, you know, the second biggest, you know, uh, uh, city in, in, in France. And when you're spending time with other characters, um, you know, whether it be an ex-cop who, you yeah. know, is is working on the case tangentially, um, or you, you know, you're you're kind of you know hanging out in a in a in a theater and have a, a shot on on uh Camille Cotton's character for a second. Like it's those moments where you're kind of like this to me feels like I'm watching <laughs> yeah. like a, a truly European yeah. film. And then you see Matt Damon in it and you're kind of like for a moment taken aback or taken out of it again, because it, it's almost as disjointed to watch that as the movie is sometimes with sort of, it's jarring at times, yeah, but it, to it go weirdly, from one tone to yeah. another or one style of, of, of genre to another. But it weirdly works and like for the most part. Yeah, um, it, it ultimately doesn't like it never kind of unravels or loses like it never goes off the rails in any way. Like it yeah, it spoon feeds you by the third act, but I never felt like like one genre was worse than the other or that, you know, like I wanted to go back to this style or go back to this kind of like moment within the film. Like each each 
it's some of its parts kind of film and each yeah. moment of of you know the the procedural the family stuff um I, I think the only thing that maybe doesn't work as well is the romance and and yes and that's what i was kind of alluding to that um you know i wish they kind of you know kept that platonic and i just like i i, I feel like that was more interesting throughout the uh the the whole movie and i don't think you needed that in the movie and it didn't really add anything and it would have been stronger if you just kept that friendship instead of making it romantic and um i just didn't buy into that and um i think that's again in the last act that all kind of comes out so it's like the movie almost goes off the rails at the end uh but i feel like it, it ultimately does kind of stay on the rails and, and ends up working and and I, and I wanted to bring up the score as well by uh uh uh, Michael Michael Dana or Mikhail Dana, um, because I think that alludes to what you're saying with the different genres and stuff. Like there was times where the the score stood out to me, kind of like in Midnight Sky, not as ridiculous as Midnight Sky. No, this is a much where, better like, movie. And, it is and, a much better and movie score and too. score. Yeah, where the Midnight Sky is really like. It's doing all the work. It's doing all the work and it's so bombastic and in your face or, you know, in the peace scene, it's just like, just ridiculous. And there are times in this where I kind of noticed the score felt weirdly. It's a good score, but it's just like, at times I'm like, what movie am I watching? Because the score would be upbeat and like bouncy. And then at times you go into the more classic you know, dramatic kind of score and then a European kind of thing. It's this, and the whole movie from the score to the, you know, cinematography to the, it's the same guy who did know, the, uh, the gray cinematography wise, which yeah, I also yeah. really liked and, um, and spotlight and stuff. Yeah. But like it, um, it's just, it's got this weird, it just, it's so hard to put this movie in a box and, and ultimately, which is I think a good it, thing. It does, I think it's, yeah, ways. no, but it's also a hard I, I thing agree. to market because like, yeah. again, like when your trailers are very thriller focused, which really that is a small, part there's a procedural and there's thrilling elements and in the last act it becomes more of a traditional you know thriller sort of um but it's not but yeah. all that like if you were to no. recommend this to somebody you like who like is like a fan of like a specific genre of filmmaking and it's like say i'm a thriller fan and i'm like would i would i like this movie so well you would like parts of it there is a through line of that in in the film but it's not necessarily a two hour and 20 minute procedural it's only part of that and like you know you're looking at sort of like cultural clashes you're looking at class structure within the city like there's so much going on and it's so detailed and dense at times and it's trying to kind of meld all these sort of styles together and while it doesn't necessarily cohesively come together it never feels like the film kind of it never sort of falls apart in any way. Like it's, it, it somehow is able to nimbly go from yeah. one genre to another and one style uh, and, and ultimately work. It's just that third act where it kind of feels like it, you know, it's bookended by going back to America and you just kind of think to yourself, like, this is the most American thing about this movie. Like you can sure. tell this is where the, the, you know, the, the, the reps and the studio system is kind of being like, okay, well maybe we need to make this as crystal clear as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, <clears throat> with the product placement stuff we alluded to, I thought it was interesting because it, it is distracting, but 
Um, I like it because it, it kind of is character development for Bill Baker. Like I like that the movie opens with him going to Sonic and getting a foot long hot dog with chili or whatever and a cherry limeade and a large tater tots. And like not since that- Terrence Malick's To the Wonder has yeah. <laughs> Sonic been so cinematic. Yeah. And I I I just think that that is such a an interesting thing because then as you see him go to Marseille and and he stays at a best western um in you know this historic beautiful like a city with great architecture and, and this then, isn't like, his first time either when we first no, see him there he, so. we see that he's a creature of habit probably he sticks he's very american he doesn't speak any french even though he's continuously gone here for five years or whatever and and you see that you know he you can't take the american out of him or he's not interested in the culture he's just interested in you know, visiting his daughter and he gets subway two nights in a row. It looks like, so it seems like he, he just goes to what's familiar to him and he goes to the American restaurant. That's, you know, gets a foot long, you know, whatever corned beef subs there an or he's around here. Yeah. Like but it's, it's, that's, it's very Trumpian as well in that way, yes, because yeah. like when Trump was the president, like you would hear any time that he would go to another country, especially yeah. in Asia, that like the only things KFC he would eat are KFC, <laughs> steaks and hamburgers he was not interested in trying anything outside of his comfort zone and then you see that kind of change and i mean there is a scene where he even cooks hamburgers at 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 their house but then you kind of see him start to you know uh even his build changes right like the way that he starts to get more involved in the culture and stuff like that which i think is but still stays true to his american yeah he's not like bart simpson remember that episode of the the simpsons where bart goes to france and then um, he's basically uh uh forced into child labor and then he kind of gets out and then by the end of the episode when he comes back he's he knows how to speak fluent french and is completely immersed in the culture that's not this it's not like there's a moment where he turns on a switch and can speak you know fluent french he's basically just kind of picking up words and sayings as he goes along but he's more open-minded because he is finally starting to be immersed within that culture which i also really like because again he does stick out like a sore thumb oh everywhere he goes yeah absolutely um but overall i think it's a um a solid uh little weird blend of of different genres and ends up kind of ultimately working because i think matt damon is quite good and um and i feel like you know all those different elements we talk about kind of weirdly work together and even though the movie kind of you know stumbles in its final act i think it 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 is ultimately a um a pretty decent little movie i I do kind of think at two hours and 20 minutes um maybe could have tightened that up a little bit but um still uh enjoyable yeah, I agree. I'll, I'm I'm going to give it a three out of five. I think it's it's solid, well made, and if you know if you feel comfortable to go to the theaters if they are open in your area, um, and you're looking for something that's not sort of like your typical blockbuster fare for the summer, then yeah, then I would recommend it on that regard. But if you're looking for like one specific style of filmmaking or genre then you, I think you need to realize that this isn't just one thing. You, As you it's mentioned, you can't put it in a trailer. box. Yeah, no, <laughs> the, it's not. Yeah, I get why they're marketing it that way, but it, it's definitely not well, the It's like The thriller. American, right, with George yeah. Clooney, which is another perfect yeah. example of, like, you know, you have this huge American movie star in an Italian – In a very European you know, movie. <laughs> yeah, the Anton Corbin movie where, you know, like – 
half of the time you're watching that film or you watch the trailer, which is also a focus features film. Yeah. You watch that trailer and you think, oh, it's George Clooney's playing thriller, like a, yeah, a, an, an assassin. assassin. And like, yeah. it's really like this contemplative sort of character study of a middle-aged uh, assassin having a midlife crisis. And, yeah. you know, like that stuff. And, and I mean, like that movie had some problems, like they had to do some reshoots and things like that. But um, I, I was just reminded of that. And also thinking just because, you know, Damon and Clooney are two of the biggest movie stars in the world. And and just seeing them in sort of a film that re- truly is, you know, of, you know, a a different culture and different style. And, and Clooney does, is more associated with Italy, but it's just it's they, they feel like two peas of a, a pod, so to speak. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm also going to give it a three. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, lots of content up for you guys uh, right now. We put up, you know, a metric buttload of movie reviews on the weekend. So you can check out our reviews for Escape Room Tournament of Champions, which features a pretty interesting story about our return to cinemas. Uh, Movies F9. are back. <laughs> F9, we finally got to go see. We finally saw A Quiet Place Part 2, a wonderful little movie with um, uh, Pigs starring Nicolas Cage, one of his best performances in recent memory, uh, Space Jam A New Legacy, the Fear Street trilogy. Um, so lots and lots of stuff over on the Reviews channel. We also have a special preview up on the Review channel where Eric and I got to see uh, 25 minutes of uh, about 25 minutes i would say right eric or 20 minutes yeah i mean like, i thought it was originally going to be 10 and yeah. we'll talk about it or you can listen to us talk you about can listen that. to it right now but we haven't recorded it yet spoilers but like um <clears throat> it's available for you guys now as this review goes up um yeah it's about we saw you know 10 minutes the opening 10 minutes we saw another scene and then we saw a trailer uh, an interview with Hans zimmer other things like that so uh, about 25 30 minutes of uh, of overall kind of footage of dune that um we got to see in imax so go check out that preview we give you you know a rundown of what we saw and what we liked about it so go check that out uh our newest draft the 95th draft of the untitled movie podcast should also be available for you guys right now um uh, Rihanna Meta and and uh, Kevin McGuire from Eclectish uh, uh, came to uh, stop by as we talked about as they were returning uh, videotapes. Yes, they, that's their ongoing article. They've been, you know, they've been watching so many movies over the pandemic. They've been crushing me um, every night. I see them watch two or three movies, usually a mix of classic stuff with modern uh, stuff, and and they've just been crushing it. So they stopped by and talked about. You know what they've been watching. We also did another TIFF talk about the recent TIFF announcements. Clifford, baby, the big red uh, one. Uh, and then we also have uh, Untitled Movie Conversations uh, that you guys can go subscribe to. Justin Erickson and Paige Reynolds from Phantom City Creative stop by there. So please go subscribe to all of that. Uh, please drop us a review if you would be so kind. Untitled underscore cast on all those social medias. Uh, stop by our Letterboxed HQ, which is Untitled Podcasts. All of our reviews, our schedule of what's coming out each week, uh, our, our reviews, our rankings to different franchises, our personal profiles, all the stuff you could ever want from us over on letterbox hq uh which is untitled podcast thank you to a bunch of new subscribers over there so thank you or followers or whatever the hell they call them over there um as always my name is matt Rohrbeck. you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. and i'm eric martian you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on the social medias at em6211 until next time dumbass